Hi, and welcome back to this episode of the Broke Girl Society podcast. I'm your host, Christina. And on this episode, uh, I wanted to explore more of, of Rachel's story uh, from our previous episode and kind of just, just talk more about re- recover- different recovery options and things like that. So thanks for being back, Rachel. Um, thank you for having me. And um, the cat gets in our way. Let me know. <laughs> I can put her in the bedroom, but she's kind of wandering around. No, I'm, I'm cool with cats being a uh, guest too, because mine, I've got one sitting here looking at me and I've got one that's locked out and you'll, you'll hear her singing before too long. <laughs> yes. Um, I have already told my story. I thought I would just kind of do a very quick recap of that and then, um, talk about different approaches and different places that, that I've worked with, um, for gambling addiction. So um, I started by saying, you know, I didn't gamble until for anything until 2003. I, you know, I said before, I thought gambling was actually pretty stupid. And I didn't understand why anyone would even want to do that. I was with some other um, teachers, and we had met up for a week in the summer. And you know, we're just kind of going out and around and seeing what there was to see. And this was one of the days that we decided to go see what the gambling was like. And um, so I bought a pair of shoes that I had looked at earlier in the day and went, well, that's fun. I get to buy these pair of shoes that I wanted. And um, there were two of us from Oklahoma. And basically, we stopped at two or three more casinos on the way back to Tahlequah. Um, and I won, um, at two out of three of them. So that's probably not a good thing to have happened. Right. (laughs) But we started, you know, we started out pretty social and we actually, you know, when you first gamble, you actually may even sit together. And that's, you know, so strange because once you become a compulsive gambler, You may have come with other people, but you may not even be in the same room that they're in. (laughs) You know, you may check in every now and then because so it was kind of strange at first uh, to think about going and playing machines someplace else and not being and talking with her. But we quickly figured those things out. And as I said before, I also was dealing with some stress in life that I didn't find some good ways to deal with. My mom had a stroke and she survived for four more years, but she required um, a lot of care. And uh, I would spend time with her and then go to the casino. Um, My plan being, you know, I was, I would give her all the time that she needed that I, and then I would escape where I didn't have to feel anything. I didn't have to change any diapers. I didn't have to try and decode what she was saying. And I was divorced at this point in time. I also had started dating someone and um, he died of prostate cancer and I then went on to date a second man, and he died of prostate cancer. And I was involved with both, 
one more so than the other. Um, one was actually in Houston, and I was driving there as often as possible and helping him try to take care of his boys. And in fact, brought, after he did pass, I brought his boys back up here. They both lived with me at different points in time. Um, but it was my escape. Uh, absolutely. It, I was not an action player. And, and I don't know if I ever became one because I would want to go and isolate and not really talk to anybody. And if anyone came and watched me play, I would stop playing until they walked away because I thought they were, they were being incredibly rude. And, you know, they, they may have just wanted to see how this game played, but I, I did that care. too. I, yeah. It got yeah. to the point where I just felt judged too, because it's like, they may walk by my machine and see a certain amount of money. And then they would walk back by and see that I played it all in. And I would hear the comments like, can you believe she played that all in? And it's like, Oh, oh you know, absolutely. just stop judging me. Move on. Go on about your business. <clears throat> right. Sorry. <laughs> and there are people, you know, judging that. And I can't say that I haven't looked at somebody else and, and seen a, a, a massive amount. And then later on, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope they took a ticket out. You know, Same. but, Same you thing. know, then you don't, you don't know. They may have just played it all out. Well, and I think that's the, that's kind of more common at the beginning of our stories versus the later part of our stories are, you know, you walk by that woman that you're like, man, they've been here the whole time. And you're like, oh, wait, so have I. Yeah, but it, and when you said that about starting out sitting together, it's like you start out going with people, too. And then all of a sudden you, you find yourself going alone, you know, and not wanting to take anybody yes. or not wanting to be accountable to anybody. So that's just part of the progression of it, I think. Well, and I wasn't accountable to anyone except my son, um, but he was a teenager and he was with me every other week. So the weeks that he was not with me, no one cared, you know, knew if I was going to the casino or not. That just no one knew. Now, my son didn't know I gambled. And he also knew that sometimes there was not much food in the house because I, I had gambled away money and being paid just once a month. If I gambled away a lot of money at the beginning of the month, there was a long time to wait. Uh, but that was also opportunities to get payday loans at astronomical uh, interest rates. And I real I think, Things changed for me, definitely. I even identified it myself, but I just blew it off in my back of my mind. I remember I went to a bank and I took out money on a credit card. And in my mind, well, I hadn't spent any money tonight because it wasn't real. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I still know. had money for what I needed and I hadn't spent any of my money to that night. I had, you know, I had taken that money out on the credit card, so it wasn't real. Um, you know, all the nice delusions and things. Um, so eventually things did get pretty bad. I was rotating money around um, and my son knew I played, but he had no idea how much I played. Uh, he really had no clue. Uh, so I decided to take a year off. And I actually had, you know, 
uh, went in and banned myself. And in Oklahoma, you have tribal casinos. So you can, uh, at the time, I didn't know I could do a whole state. Uh, I thought I had to go tribe by tribe. So I went to the Cherokee Nation and I banned myself from Cherokee casinos because that, that was the casino in my, in my town. And uh, so, you know, all that really did, uh, well, first, the first time I did it, I, I banned myself and I took a year off and I really did took a year off. I just thought it's a money problem. I'll just take a year off. I'll get my finances together. And I really did. But I could tell you exactly what day it was that I was going to get to go back. And when I, when that time was done, that was the exact day. The first day I could go back was the day I went back and I started playing high. It wasn't starting any with these little quarter or, or nickel things. That was, that was way in the past. And so the second time I banned myself from Cherokee Casino, um, that just meant I drove further. Uh, um, I went to the Creek Nation casinos and would, so I would drive about 30, 40 minutes to get to a casino um, in Oklahoma, 30, 40 minutes probably can get you maybe two or three casinos sometimes. So I would go play over there. A couple of times, though, I went to Cherokee, even though I was banned. And I did get caught. I got caught by um, some of my ex-students, which is always delightful. Um, <sighs> you know, and they were just just so nice to me and walked me back and actually cashed out my tickets, which they should not have done. And they made me sign a paper saying I knew I was on Cherokee Nation property. And if I came back again, I would be arrested. I signed that. They walked me out. They gave me my money, like I said, which they should not have done. And I left. And so I just went, okay, well, I, you know, I won't go back and test the waters on that one again. But the band really wasn't doing anything to me. I, you know, I was still going back anyway. So moving on, um, things were getting worse. I had one time that I had moved into a duplex and was renting it, um, didn't have the money to pay for it had to leave it after just one month and they filed against me with the state uh, with just being a day late. And I got them all the money that they wanted, but I had to borrow it from my sister. And I cleaned up the, the duplex and they were actually rather pleased, but that's still on my record. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's not that there was anything really came of it other than it makes it more difficult to rent any place else. But, but it, it was unnerving. Mm -hmm. And so I started um, deciding that I needed help. And I went to Gamblers Anonymous and the group in Muskogee was wonderful. They were marvelous people. Uh, it was probably one of the best experiences and places to start. I uh, was very welcomed. They were wonderful. But I'll just be flat out honest with you. 
in that for me, starting with that was not enough. Sometimes I would go to the meeting and then I would go gamble after the meeting. I mean, this is how, you know, I would be in the meeting saying, and I meant it, I don't ever want to gamble again. And then after I left the meeting, I would just sit in the parking lot and go, okay, where am I going? And sometimes I went to the casino. So I needed more. And I pushed for that. And the first place that I went to was CORE um, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Interest, my cat is trying to. I was wondering what was going on there. (laughs) Yeah, she's moving. Is there an earthquake? I don't feel it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Interestingly enough, in Shreveport, Louisiana, Core is on Stoner Avenue or Stoner Drive. I can't remember, but it's just kind of funny. Um, it is funny. You know, uh, but it only deals with gambling. And I received a funding to go there from the Oklahoma Problem and Compulsive Gamblers Association, uh, which Wiley um, Farwell is still in charge of was then and is now. Um, And so it took a couple of weeks for me to get there. And I actually went by bus because I didn't want to take my car and I don't fly. So um, it was a long bus trip. (laughs) But then I guess I needed to feel the pain. Um, Got there at 1.30 in the morning and... Um, I will say, and I will caution that core is more, much more structured, but I would say that it is in fact a house of miracles. I know lots of people that it has saved their life. And if you're a Louisiana resident, it's free because when they brought in gambling, they were wise enough to say, okay, we'll only do this if there's treatment centers for it, for our residents. But being out, being out of state, for me, it was $6,000 at that time for 36 days. And now I think they do 28 days and it's 5000 But considering, you know, what you get out of that, it's incredible. It's a nonprofit. And it doesn't take insurance. So, I mean, you're just, you're just paying for that. So when I got there at 1.30 in the morning, we they went through all of my suitcases and all of my everything, um, and lots of things were taken away from me. Of course, all of my money. At Corey, you're allowed to have, carry $5 a week, and that's it. And the pop machine's $1.50, so you kind of have to work that out with other people. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a yeah. Dr. Pepper. I'm a Dr. Uh, Pepper addict. That that probably. <laughs> I know there was several people there that were just like, and a lot of us would help each other out if we, you know, drink, didn't drink pop as much as the others. Um, and the you know, and it is um, dormitory style uh, sleeping quarters. So you know. You're in kind of a little block with two beds, and then there's another little block kind of thing that has two. And there's 12 beds and lockers in the women's side, and then there's 
eight beds, I think, on the men's side. But it just depends on what's happening at the time. Sometimes they switch if they're getting a lot more men, or sometimes they switch, you know, back if they're getting a lot more women. Um, I think what I found the most fascinating for me, because I'm older, was that I was not the oldest person there by a long shot. Um, there was a 72-year-old lady there and an 81-year-old lady there. And they, um, you know, had similar stories to me of all of a sudden you're on your own, you're empty nesting, and your friends say, let's go play, let's go play, you know, and, and, and it starts out social, but then it ends up taking your time. And then it, your brain and your dopamine level changes and you start craving it and, and you start doing really stupid things. Um, and so, you know, that was a surprise to me. I had honestly expected everyone to be younger than I was um, and to be the old lady there. And I really wasn't. Um, so... That was a surprise. Uh, at CORE, they cook food for you. Now, if you do have food allergies or if, there, or if there's a religious, you know, exceptions, they will make those. But um, everybody comes together for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at set times. And even if you're not going to eat, you have to be present at those set times. And, um, you know, you don't have to stay, but you have to at least show up and then you eat what is what is prepared for you and hopefully you like it i will say most of the meals are pretty good i, I enjoyed the majority of them um, but it is different than you know some other treatment places where you're cooking your own food here they're cooking the food for you uh, everyone has chores at, at poor um, you usually do those in the morning. You get up, you have breakfast, you have chore time. And um, it switches around each week. Uh, one week I got to vacuum stairs. Another week I was in charge of, um, of the readings and some of the, you know, finding readings and, and leading different things with, with, our, with the people that were there. Um, one week I had bathrooms and apparently kitchen is the hardest. And I was surprised I never was given kitchen, hmm. but you know, uh, don't know why. Uh, maybe I did really look like, you know, I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. You absolutely um, don't. But, I just want to say that for anybody listening. Well, I you look great. That. Um, so a typical day, you're getting up, you're showering, you're getting ready, you're going to breakfast, you're doing chores. And then the group meets um, without counselors. You just go through the morning readings like in the Blue Book and GA and stuff. And you talk about any issues that are going on in the, in the house because it is a big, huge, old Victorian-styled house. It's, it, it's actually very pretty. And, um, and then you start, you have group in the morning, um, 
they split you into two separate smaller groups for that. So there's an upstairs group and a downstairs group. You go through a lot of different activities. Uh, the first week you write your autobiography and, it, you know, including from birth, really, but focusing on your gambling time. But you actually do start with, you know, with birth. And so by the second week, you're actually reading that to your smaller group, not to the whole house, but to, you know, so that's that for me was, I think at the time I was there, there were about 12 of us. So I guess I was reading that to six other people, five other people, six with me. And that was, you know, it was fine. It was kind of boring, <laughs> I thought, but, <laughs> but we went through that. Everybody, everybody did that. And then you come back and you have lunch and then you have a little bit of free time, not much. And then you move into your afternoon groups, which are more educational, you know, where they're talking to you about, you know, the, how the dopamine is affecting the brain and all of those types of things. And uh, then you have from three to four thirty, you have time to work because they're each week they're giving you assignments and you're working on those assignments. And then with the goal that you will present them to the group and, and you do, otherwise you don't leave it 36 days oh. <laughs> to saying, <laughs> so it's kind of a good idea to go ahead and get it done. Um, but you do, you get very close with other people. For me, it was probably the first time that I really got, with a lot of other women that were gamblers. I had um, been to GA, but it was more males than females. And here it was interesting, you know, it was other mothers, uh, you know, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of mom guilt that goes along with this for those of us that are moms. Uh, you know, we, we worry, if, you know, what effect we've had. And obviously I didn't feel like I've been a good role model for my son. Um, and then after, you know, after that, we, you have some phone time. Um, they plug in phones that people can call in on and you can call out on for about an hour. And then um, you have dinner and then you go out to a meeting and you come back and you have the evening meeting where you all come together and talk with each other and talk about any issues that have come up in the house. And, you know, um, reading material is going to be their reading material. Uh, I had a book that I had been reading on the bus and they took that and I was kind of like, I can't even keep a book. Um, so, I do want people to understand if, if that's where they ever chose to go, it is structured and there are guidelines and they are serious about them. However, I would not want that to keep someone from going because I have seen people make tremendous strides, you know, going to poor. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. I've heard, so, I've heard a lot of good yeah. stories from people who have gone to core. Well, and if they, you know, if you think they're faking about there being an alarm on the stairs at night uh, between 10 and six, um, 
just ask the person who set them off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was six o'clock in the morning already. And I ran downstairs to get a towel and it was 10 till six. So the alarms weren't off yet. I set the alarms off in the whole building <laughs> and everybody came out. Fortunately, you know, they were, it, it, it was kind of early on and they were like, you didn't know, you know, you thought it was six. It's okay. You know, nobody was really bad about it, but I was like, okay, now I really do believe you. There really are alarms on the stairs. Um, so, and, you know, and there is, there is a, a time or two in the week that you get to choose to go to, there's some beautiful museums and Shreveport and so we did a lot of that kind of thing and, and went and saw saw different um, different works of art and bee colonies and wonderful um, um, landscaping kind of like similar to Philbrook and Tulsa or you know yeah or you know botanical gardens in St. Louis that kind of thing and things so, that are kind of soothing to the soul a little bit Right. Um, so I would say, you know, I, I would just say that's one example. Um, just quickly, let me do an alchemist example. Mm -hmm. And then I will kind of finish up by talking about, for me, GA is wonderful, but I've also looked into some other areas. Yeah. Um, um, there's other places besides alchemists and core, but those are the two places that I have been. And that must be mean I wasn't completely successful that's correct I did relapse and uh, I moved into Tulsa because in Tahlequah there was not a gambling counselor there was not GA I tried to start it it was not successful uh, you can't advertise that you know you can't you know because it's because it's GA so when I when I um, went to Alchemist in Prescott, Arizona, um, it's a different, completely different feel. Um, there on Fridays, they give you a, their grocery store is called Fries, and they give you a Fries card for $75 and then $25 in cash, and you buy your own groceries. And so there, you um, you cook for yourself, or uh, several of us might go together and decide. Well, let's make you know a bunch of spaghetti tonight, or let's make or let's all grill hamburgers tonight. And so we might all you know put our resources together and end up you know with buying a lot uh, a lot more prudently. Uh, <clears throat> So, it, but it was weird to, to, you know, coming from poor uh, to go, oh, I'm allowed to go to the store. That's really weird. I was also allowed to walk down. Um, I actually like unsweetened iced tea and um, I could walk to Circle K and get my own tea and that was okay. Um, I was surprised because that would never have happened at poor on poor. You had to stay on property and, and follow all of their guidance. And so it definitely, you know, you could in the evening, you could go for a walk. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so when you, when I first arrived at Alchemist, 
um, they were actually standing outside on a break and they said this, you know, this is Rachel. And this young man shook my hand and said, um, you know, since I'm native, he said, uh, your people owe me a lot of money. <laughs> and, and I shook his hand and I said, and your people owe me a lot of, la- a lot of land. <laughs> there you <laughs> so, go. Wow. <laughs> and so they all just kind of laughed and, you know, uh, kind of went from there. The women and the men at that time when I was there um, didn't stay in the same house, although I think they've now combined everything and they all have have it all built together. But at the time we were staying in apartments and, um, you know, so which I shared an apartment with two other ladies and then, you know, I was the last one in. So my last week there, I was pretty much there by myself, which would never have been trusted to have happened uh, at four. But it has the same type of feel in that you, in the mornings, you went, you did session group sessions, you had your individual sessions um, with, with people that were very savvy on, on gambling addiction uh, you had opportunities to, um, <clears throat> sorry, to have family week if that's what you wanted to do or to have, you know, have someone come in or sometimes it takes place on the phone, um, depending on what's, what's available and people, what people can do. So there you go, you know, in the morning you go to your session you take a break, you go back to your session, you, you come out of that and you, um, some days you do yoga after that. Um, on Fridays at the afternoon session, we always went out to the lake and did it outside, which I loved because I like being out in nature. That makes me feel so much better. So, you know, we just take a van out to the lake and do it out there. Actually, we, um, went to Sedona once, um, you know, they, uh, we petitioned and asked and, and, and you have to understand that we had to use our own money. So we had to ask for so much of our own money because they had our money and, uh, we, and they did allow us during the trip. We had asked if we could get our phones back because of course you want to take pictures. And so we were able to do that as well. But there you were still getting your group sessions, your individual sessions. You were also going to GA and the Prescott area, which is very, very um, high attendance in GA meetings. So, you know, that was great. And um, so I I would recommend either place. Um, I'm just kind of sharing a little bit about the differences between the two. Um, I would say that since I've come back, I looked into even more, um, for me, it's better for me to be busy with looking at different strategies for gambling cessation than to just sit and let my thoughts run wild. Yeah, definitely. Trying to figure out ways to, um, keep your mind occupied. So that's one way I, I ended up contacting 
correcting you because um, broke girls, I do think, and I do firmly believe that um, having a women's meeting is, is important. Alamos did have one night a week on Thursday nights. You actually, we did have the men and the women separated and it was a very different meeting, a lot more open, more, many more people willing to say things and, um, you know, being able to understand the situation a little bit better. So I looked into what you had to offer and that made uh, good sense to me. I also looked into White Bison, which is a Native American group that meets um, about 15 miles from me. Uh, and I go down there and we go through and look at, um, we kind of look at most everything through a circular way. And I am holding up a picture, but, which is rather silly since this is, but the bottom line is it starts with the idea of the medicine wheel and looking at um, becoming a whole person um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you know, physically, um, through the ideas uh, of the medicine wheel and pulling from ancestors and talking through negative self-talk and how can we rephrase it to positive self-talk and how can we look at be, you know, serve, serving being of service to our tribe better uh, our tribes and uh, and how can we help the next generation as well because in a native community community is just so important and so through white bison and well variety i've gone to meetings and i also have gone back to participating in the sweat lodge ceremony uh, which for me you know Unfortunately, uh, a not to be named group here took, you know, bastardized it and, and um, they had ill effects with it. Well, people that know how to run this, run it well, you do not ever force anyone to stay in the sweat lodge if that's not where they, you know, can be. The whole ground around it is, has been blessed. You know, people can go and sit outside if that's what they need to do and still reap the benefits. I like that uh, aspect of it because, you know, I've, I'm Native. I've been in the Native community most of my life. Uh, I've worked at uh, Native American schools, and I really bond well with that environment. Um, on Wednesdays, I have a group that meets through my gambling counselor. And so that's a different group. But we go through the workbook that I think came out from Oklahoma Problem and Compulsive Gambling. And that's a nice approach as well. And it's also bringing a community together and of people that are all well aware of, you know. So there are counselors out there now there's more and more that are trained in gambling addiction i would caution to find one that can tell you they've actually been to gambling training not just that they're a drug and alcohol counselor and this is an also an addiction and they just treat it the same um so you know there I are ones yeah 
And I would also um, just, you know, on Thursday nights, I have joined a group that started in March and will end in October. And we're just now finishing step five. We're taking a lot of time. We took six weeks with step four and it was an emotional process. But I felt like I needed to go through the steps and AA I think has a lot of step meetings, but I, and, and in Prescott there were step meetings, but here I haven't found that. So I went with this group and there's people from the United States, but there's also people from Ireland and from England. And um, there's about 20 of us that each week are going through and reading what we wrote through the week. On the other hand, if anyone's ever thinking about doing it, you don't have to read. It's totally your option. Um, it's, you know, kind of an honor system that, that you did the work. Um, but it, I think it's well worth it. So for me, there's, I'm looking at a lot of avenues. Please don't think I discount GA. Um, I mean, I start my week with my GA meeting because I think it is really important. But I also realize that GA, as powerful as it is, it is a little more male-centered. And it is a little, um, well, a lot less um, native-centered. And so in my mind, these other groups support what I'm doing in GA. Does yeah. That, does that make sense? Yeah. And I, th I, I think a lot of, if you um, <clears throat> like what you're talking about, a lot of different, different groups and stuff, they all kind of, um, they support each other. Like I have yet to come across a different avenue of uh, recovery for gambling that has contradicted another. Um, if that like, you know, just kind of like they, they all kind of respect, you know, GA being kind of the, the core, kind of the, the beginning right. of it. Um, they all, they all kind of share a lot of the same principles. Um, and, and there's always a lot of respect for GA in the community. Um, but at the same time, we, we can all accept that there, there are many other avenues of healing of recovery. Um, and, and I, I believe that women probably need need more than what GA does offer because it was written in a time of, you know, male dominated society. And right. so it's not, it's not generally written. And I don't want to say chauvinistic or anything like that, but it, it kind of is in, in a sense. Patriarchal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that was the word I was looking for. And, and, you know, given the time that it was written for it, it makes sense since then. It just doesn't make sense as much now. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hope to find more of a community here locally uh, for women to kind of give them, you know, some strength. And, and, and I have plans for that maybe as I get further along in my own, my own recovery, um, <clears throat> maybe doing something here locally. Unfortunately, you're moving away from us. So, um, well, but I appreciate what you do. And yes, I'm leaving in December, not forever. Um, my <laughs> My daughter will have my grandson then, and I have a 
agreed to go help with that. So I will leave for three to six months and, and then I will be back. And hopefully, you know, I, I have 16 months now and, and hopefully I will have added to that, you know. I hope so too. Uh, I, I guess I get a little, um, I never want to say, well, and then I'll have this much time because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't predict the future. But by doing what I'm doing, I'm putting as many barriers in place as I can and finding as many communities where I feel like I could feel at home and share and talk and somebody else knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, like exactly. you said before, you know, people understand when you say and you're waiting for the, the ATM at midnight or, you know, driving through the ice and snow when you would never do that, you know, and uh, before and, you know, just even as far as just all the financial, all the financial oh, decisions yes. we make to do it, you know, the payday loans, the high interest loans or, or you know, pay, Rob and Peter to pay Paul and playing playing that that kind of you know, shifting money around kind of thing. And, and, you know, for, for some worse. Um, but now when we talk about, um, and I think too, let me just say this real quick is having a bunch of different communities and being involved in a different program sometimes might hit you at a different time in your recovery too. Like, um, you could be, be at a certain point in your recovery and maybe you need a little more, um, even on certain days, sometimes you need, like this past Tuesday was the first I think the very first day that I actually was craving a meeting, like I needed a meeting bad. And, um, it just happened to be my Tuesday zoom meeting, uh, with the local group here. And, um, I needed it and I recognized it when I got on there. I'm like, you know, I needed you guys today. I I can't name it. I wasn't necessarily having urges, but I was struggling for some reason. I can't explain it, but man, once I got off, off that meeting, I just felt, hundred times lighter. So there's, there's like days that you need certain support that's going to show up or that, you know, is going to be there. And then other days, um, you want to be the support for somebody or, you know, it's just kind of, it's great to have a bunch of different, different options in different communities, but you are native. And we do talk, we do talk about that. I have talked about that. Um, how do you feel in, in, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. I can edit it out. But how do you feel about the Native community and their approach to gambling recovery or providing the services for gambling recovery? In Oklahoma, it is um, a two-edged sword in that um, many, many, I think there's now over 140 casinos in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, um, and, each, you know, many tribes have four or five casinos, but, but some just have one or two. But so there's money coming in to the tribes from the casino. So that's one side to look at because that is, you know, wow. Um, and I do understand that, that that goes to elder care, that goes to education, that goes to, you know, um, food for food banks and, you know, the things that are actually needed. And so I, I can, ex- I can ex- accept it, even though it's, it's, you know, has affected me. 
Um, on the other side of things, uh, I will say that my first counselor that I talked about drug and alcohol, I'm sorry, drugs, not drug, was a drug and alcohol counselor through the Cherokee Nation. And I went in and talked about gambling. And at that point in time, there was not anyone trained for that um, in the, through the tribe. Uh, there is, I believe that there is now, but at that point in time, there was not. But they did offer me uh, counseling services. They did talk with me about, you know, ways to uh, put up barriers and to try to keep from, you know, uh, giving all my money away all the time. Uh, and so I think the tribes themselves, they do offer some help and they try to. Of course, they all have the numbers up for gambling hotline. But I think that well, Briety through White Bison, which is out of Colorado, um, I had known about them, oh gosh, probably about 15 years ago. I had gone to a training back when I was working with Native kids every day. And so I, when I found that there still was well variety in our area, um, I went, okay, I need to go because, you know, I could, and, and it is funded through the tribal mental health. So they are supporting it and encouraging it and, and they buy all the materials for it. Um, it's not like GA where you're, you know, course you're only giving usually a dollar but still you know well variety um, meetings don't ask for anything and it is talking with other native people about um, you know family and community because that is just so important I think that you know then it's it's a little more ceremonial sometimes some well variety meetings to start. Some start with smudging, which is, you know, burning of sage or cedar or, you know, just you know, cleansing, cleansing the air. And you're going and you're looking at the medicine wheel and you're looking at the four directions and you're looking at how to strengthen yourself more physically, more mentally, more emotionally, more spiritually. And their idea of spirituality, like GA, is you decide what that spirituality is. Now, for me, when I'm in the sweat lodge, that's uh, more looking at my ancestors. I do believe in historical trauma, but I also believe in historical wisdom that's come down through many, many years of my ancestors. And so you're, you know, you're looking, you know, you could be in the sweat lodge talking, asking help from God, or you might be asking help from grandfather or from elders or from, from ancestors. And for me, you know, I look at it more as ancestors. Um, and when I'm just in a regular meeting, I may be just looking at the group as a community because that's important, extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. 
So honestly, I kind of, I love the thought of that though, you know, um, reaching out for your ancestors and reaching out for, you know, and I, I kind of look at it in my own, my own version of that would be like talking to my, my grandmother in heaven and, you know, kind of, kind of drawing on, on the wisdom that she had passed on to me as a, as a girl. And, um, you know, just kind of asking for that little bit of, of help and strength. And so, so the way that you connect your spirituality with your healing and your recovery, um, I just, I really, I really, uh, love that on how you do that. And, and I think, yeah. And I think a lot of people, they struggle with sometimes how to connect a higher power, um, with recovery because, you know, the 12 steps are based on a higher power, uh, you know, and, or accepting a higher power and letting, letting go of control to a higher power. And, and I see this a lot in the groups, a lot of people have, and I, and I honestly, I'm, if I'm being very transparent, I struggled with it too. Like I, I wasn't sure where, where to start with a higher power. Um, and for me, it's very universal, um, very energy, uh, guided for me, for myself. And, um, so, but I, I do see a lot of, of women, like I, you know, how do I connect this higher power? I, I don't necessarily believe in God, or I don't necessarily, you know, have a lot of family or community. And, you know, I always push towards nature or towards, you know, your, your GA community, or just, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something other than yourself. Uh, I agree. I will. I definitely believe in the. There's much more power in the community than there is in the individual. And I, just like you, when I first was going to meetings, um, not so much in, in my Muskogee, but when I was first coming to some other meetings, um, there were a lot of people that it was a lot of God this and God that and. And that I, ha- I have no problem if that's helping them. Sure. But I also, I guess I'm a little hesitant because I know there's some religions, we are in the Bible belt, some religions that have belief systems that are not mine, such as my son is gay. And I firmly believe that um, it is not a sin. That is just who he is. And so when I am in a meeting and and I seem to be hearing God more than I hear sobriety, um, sometimes I kind of sit back and go, okay, uh, it's the God of your understanding, whatever that, whatever that higher power is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Just anything that's good. That's going to just, it's just anything that's healing. I think anything that, you know, can just help you, um, with your strength and your, your, um, courage and, and things to, to help you move in the right direction or the best direction for yourself. It's talking about that too, is the, the lack of diversity, um, in the recovery community. You know, um, I've, I've got friends that are in the recovery community that are gay or, um, LBG, I always mess that up, but that's all right. I hope I come across it correctly. Yeah. To us, you know, there's no uh, disrespect. I I just, I just mess it up. You're messing it up with respect. No one is ever going to worry about that. Yeah. And um, respectful. 
Yeah. And I don't, I just, I don't want anybody to not seek the help that they need because they feel excluded or because they feel, especially in a GA program, which we've talked about is, is kind of um, maybe not with the way the world is right now. Um, You know, like I've, I've got a few, a few friends in the community that um, they don't feel comfortable going to the local meetings and things like that, because they feel like it's, it's, it's either because they are gay and they feel maybe, maybe they feel like they're going to be judged, even though maybe they wouldn't be. I don't, I don't really know um, that side of it, but also um, there's a younger generation, you know, there's, there's these, these kind of late twenties, early thirties where a lot of, of a lot of guys are been caught up in the gambling and the cards and the things like that. And so they'll go to these meetings and maybe they won't connect because the, the, the men are older. Um, and I'm, I'm the type of person that like, when somebody comes in, like I get their information I'm like, Hey, <laughs> you want my cell phone number? I'll, I'll help you any way I can, you know? Um, and so a lot of times I'll get their phone numbers and, and I kind of end up being like a big sister, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to, trying to just talk to them and kind of keep them involved in some aspect. And, and I've led a few of them into the broke girl society just because they, they kind of, um, like the female energy. Like they feel the female energy works for them better than, than the male energy of recovery. And so, um, I, I try, I, I built this community for women, but I would never exclude anybody that needs help or that would feel more connected. I understand that. And I think, you know, for my work with PFLAG years ago, there were just some people that had been so hurt by the church that just coming in to a church setting and having all the symbols there was difficult for them. And so you had someone that's looking, you know, willing to walk into a room and say, I need help with gambling. And that's a barrier. And then you add another barrier of all their experiences that they've had that's been telling them they're wrong or they're going to hell. And that's hard. I will say, um, Right before COVID, um, and I, of course, won't say in what city or, or what meeting or anything, but I was very pleased that I saw my first transgender person come into a meeting and and be welcomed. That, oh, you know, yeah. And I, I want to say hey, kudos that people were very, very welcoming. Um, yeah. So. And I think, I think there's a stigma attached to that, too. I think it's like... Um, I came across this thing one time that, you know, that talks about how we build things up worse in our mind than, than sometimes they actually are. So uh, one of my friends who, who is gay, he said, coming out um, gambling was harder than coming out as gay for, for some, whatever reason, it was harder for him to come out with his gambling addiction than it was to come out. Um, And so it's, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we, we can build these perce- perceptions up in our head that, um, that they think the reaction, cause I did this with my husband. I kept thinking, ah, you know, I kept pushing off telling him, telling him because I just had this big, massive blow up built up in my head. And it was just going to be this nightmare of a situation. And when I finally did tell him, he was like, I'm like, do you want to talk about the money and, and all that? And he was like, what's the point? You know, we're not going to get any of it back. There's no point in going back. He's like, let's just move forward. And then, you know, let's just try and move forward and try and, 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 you know, work on, on cleaning this up. 
you know, versus well, going backwards. But and one thing I would like to see happen, um, my understanding is at one point in time that, that the city had um, uh, Gammonon, and I don't know that that's available any longer. But in, in uh, Shreveport and in Prescott, of course, they were strong Gammonon groups. I think that spouses and significant others and family members think they know what gambling addiction is, but I've been very impressed with good Gammonon programs that the people have come out and said, okay, I didn't know that. I would have never thought about that. And um, so I, I'm hopeful that we'll see more Gammonon. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a program like that. Um, our program, matter of fact, the sad part is, is with our program here is we're actually closing meetings because of attendance. And I don't know if it's just, it hasn't bounced back up from COVID or, or what, what the situation is, but, um, and our meeting attendance are still pretty small right now, but hopefully, hopefully things will start to pick up and hopefully, um, we can get the word out there on, on that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and I, I would, I'll just back up on one statement and say, if someone is LGBT um, first, obviously in Tulsa, we have a great equality center and they could connect them with someone that, that they could feel comfortable with that can deal with gambling addiction. And second, I would say if they look for white bison meetings, um, many native groups um, before European contact, um, actually, a lot of them revered their LGBT people, someone that could have both the female and the male spirit, and could they felt they could see the world better. Um, so it was not uh, necessarily seen as this evil that uh, came about when the churches came in and the Europeans came in and were uh, talking about it being this horrible sin. Wow. That's, that's really beautiful put to think of it like that, that, you know, because if you do think about it, you get to see, you get to see life through kind of two different lenses, I think. And that, that is beautiful when you, when you put it like that and be able to, to kind of see, see that side of things. Um, well, I guess we can go ahead and um, kind of wind this down. Um, are you feeling feeling pretty good about the conversation? I am feeling good about the conversation. Uh, I appreciate you doing this and putting these out here and all of the things that you're doing to support. You know, uh, I don't know how you're finding the time, but I, I really thank you for doing that. Yeah, I don't sleep much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think too, you know, I get that a lot, um, you know, but I don't have kids and my, my evenings are a little bit quieter. So this is, this is a big part of my recovery. Um, I think for me talking with women, um, about this, because I was so silent for so long. Um, now that I've found this community of women that actually will talk about it and want to talk about it and need to talk about it, it's just, it's just become this passion to, um, help others not feel the isolation and, um, the hurting. And I just, I just think of, of, you know, the, the time where I was set in my car and I was just so broken and, um, I just yes. wish I had been able to call somebody and, 
and talk it through in that moment. But in that moment, I was still very much alone. And so this is what keeps me, I get kind of teary. I think about it, but it's what kind of keeps me going with this. And I've even started working with, with spouses of gamblers, you know, to try and give them female spouses of gamblers to try and give them a perspective of a gambling addict to kind of help say, you know, you always need to protect yourself first. You have to protect yourself and you've got to set, set boundaries, but, um, you know, it kind of maybe helps them a little bit under, since we don't have, you know, those programs here kind of gives them a different perspective of it. And doesn't necessarily, I mean, it might not really help, help things that much, but I mean, that's, that's on the, on the gambling partner, but, um, it kind of, kind of helps the partner see why they're choosing one over the other. It's not, not necessarily a choice. So it's not, I mean, this absolutely is an addiction and illness. And we know that unlike, you know, drugs and alcohol where you'll pass out or you'll throw up or whatever, um, that doesn't happen with gambling. So you can just keep going and going and creating more, more havoc in your life. And I think if you're talking with spouses, just giving them some of those insights can be very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps them kind of, kind of understand that this, this, this is a very, very tragic disease. So, all right. Well, again, thank you for your time. And um, I look forward to seeing you around before you move away in December. So I'll see, I'll catch you at a meeting. Okay. All right. Well, um, you have a great evening. You too. Have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.